Caroline, hey. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to the program. Thanks for uh, being here. I appreciate you uh, taking time to document some of your story. Of course. Good to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Let, uh, let's start. Where are you uh, living now? Because I looked at your uh, your Instagram and now would be the time for me to go to St. Thomas with where Indianapolis is. We're like, we're in the single digits for wintertime. <laughs> and I now live in Denver. So you just, oh, okay. I mean, we, we like to just switch things up all the time over here, but uh, <laughs> no, we love St. Thomas. I was there for about two years. And uh, then just this past summer, I moved to Denver with my dog and my husband and decided to see if we liked the cold again. And yeah, we're in, we're in single digits here too. And I'm, we're missing the sun for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, and you're certainly more outdoorsy than me. Uh, I, I need, you know, central air, everything to be modernized. But um, are, are you someone that, uh, you know, does hiking and that sort of thing too? We, we did a lot of hiking like before, um, that we moved here. And now that we moved here, we're kind of like, okay, we live here. We'll hike on, on some days we'll go outside a lot, but it's not as like, gotta get to the mountains as much as a, of a rush, but, um, we've already mm -hmm. been camping a couple of times. Um, we had a fun couple groups that we were camping with and it rained like the whole time. So we're feeling pretty outdoorsy after that one. Yeah, well, and I, this is a cliche question living in Colorado, but uh, do you have, uh, do you engage in marijuana use at all? I'm just curious. I I did I did before, and we were really stoked about moving here, but uh, <laughs> since moving here, I have, I have not. So we, okay. we're trying something new and uh, being a little, I'm trying the healthy kick for 2024, see if it works. Okay. Uh, being a teacher, do they drug test you for that sort of thing or, or no? No, I think, I mean, like if you're, they're questioned about you probably, <laughs> but not before you start and not even in Illinois before when I taught there, they have not when I taught in St. Thomas. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think it's kind of show up how you, you know, want to teach your kids, make sure you're not doing it on the, on the school days. <laughs> right. Well, and we, we know each other because. I grew up in Carmel. You went to Zionsville. Uh, yeah. Are you from Indianapolis originally? Is that where? Yeah. Uh, yeah, my family. So my mom and I moved to Zionsville um, when I was in fifth grade. So my family's all from Chicago. So that's kind of where like home base is. Um, my family's there. My husband's family's there. My grandparents are still there. Um, but my mom is still in Zionsville. So she, I go there a couple of times to see her. And then the rest of everybody is, is in the Chicago area. So after St. Thomas, it was kind of hard. We're like, do we move back to Chicago <laughs> yeah. or uh, where do we go? And we picked Denver. <laughs> um, similar uh, situation in Zionsville as it is in Carmel. Uh, how would you describe growing up there? Privileged. <laughs> I yeah, would really. say yeah. very privileged you know I liked it it was we lived in the tiny town and and it was fun I made great friends and that's the thing I'm like still friends with them mm -hmm. to this day um almost 30 now but it was definitely interesting and now like living in a couple different places and like teaching kids in St. Thomas and being in the Caribbean you're like Oh my gosh, these kids and what we grew up with are just so different. Um, and it's been it's been good to see, but I I don't really think I'm ever gonna move back to Indiana. <laughs> um, 
it's sort of a bubble that whole area uh, and saint thomas um to ask to inquire more about that uh part of the u.s virgin islands i mean what how would you constitute that uh the, the nation itself <laughs> yeah well i didn't even know honestly when we got this job it's a territory like it's not even a state okay. um and so that was crazy to go down there and like wait what we're not even like a legal state we're just a we're part of the the territory of the virgin Islands. so um just being down there and being so far removed from like um civilization that we grew up with like i mean there was one movie theater but no one really went there's not deliveries there's mm. mcdonald's um a Wendy's and a KFC. Those are the only like fast food <laughs> places. Like there's just not even, even the grocery store prepping for hurricanes, everything was different. Um, and it was just, it was really good to like experience something like so out of my comfort zone, then Zionsville, then, you know, being in Chicago, then being in college, like you just can't have like life experiences like that until yeah. you like fully submerse yourself into the uncomfortable and all of a sudden it's 95 degrees every day. You lived without AC. We have bugs in the house. My dog's eating iguanas and we're like, okay, we, <laughs> we are not in Zionsville anymore. <laughs> uh, how did your husband feel about this arrangement? He, well, so I was like, hey, I've been teaching public schools for four years in uh, Chicago. We were living together and we were engaged. And I was like, what if, <laughs> I applied to a job in St. Thomas and he was like he always says like yeah apply and then we'll talk about it and they offered me the job on the spot and I was like sweet and I was like yeah I think I'm for sure coming and then I did something like this and they're like oh are you engaged and I was like yeah but I'm sure he'll say yes and I hung up from the zoom and I immediately went over and talked to Charlie and I was like so they offered me the job and I think I might've said, yes, how are you feeling about that? <laughs> he, he just laughed at me and he actually found a job at the same school. So it ended up totally working out and we signed a two-year contract. So we kind of knew it was two years because in our mind, it's a little hard and scary to like uproot your life for an extended amount of time. But when you know it's short, it was like, okay, we can do that. We can do two years. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was fun. It was crazy, but it was fun. He's a teacher too? Yeah. So he teaches high school science and I'm in elementary special ed. Okay. Um, yeah. Elementary special ed. That takes a special person. Um, That's what, what people what, always say. <laughs> what, what drew you to that, Caroline? Yeah. You know, I think it was actually like high school. I took a peer-to-peer -peer program, um, got involved in Best Buddies, and by like my senior year, I was taking like that peer to peer class, like four out of my seven classes, like I couldn't get enough. I was like, <laughs> I just wanted to be in there. Um, that was with kids that I have a lot more severe disabilities and they were my age. And now obviously I'm teaching more um, kids that are, it's kind of, they come and go from my room. They're not just set in there. So I push them into the gen ed classes a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, I don't know. I just, I started doing it. And then college, I was like, oh, maybe I'll try and be a speech path and make a little bit more money. And that just wasn't, I just wasn't interested in it. I had to take a lot of ear, nose and throat classes. And I just, it's not really what I was into. <laughs> okay. And so I went and kept going with special ed and I haven't, you know, changed careers. We're seven years in. 
Um, what was the educational path to be qualified for what you do now? So it was, um, I did my bachelor's at Western Michigan and I got um, special ed certified. And then I did a learning endorsement, I think. Uh, yeah, lear- I think it's learning support endorsement and then um, a behavioral endorsement. And both of those, I'm like, gosh, it seems like, I'm like, that wasn't too long ago. I should know these things. <laughs> um, and so then that's pretty much all the education I've done. I always said I was going to go back and get my master's and I've kept up on, you know, my classes just throughout school and always like my works as in my school, but I've never gone back to getting um, a full master's and I'm just kind of enjoying where, where I'm at. It's led me to three pretty cool different schools. Um, you have to apply for a license in each state. I, I yeah. don't know how that worked, uh, that whole process. Yeah, that is a pain. Um, <laughs> just because you don't really know what like each school is going to take. And that's why I'm like my endorsements. I'm actually not even sure what I'm endorsed in anymore. Um, because everybody kind of takes different courses and then you apply to the state and you're like, okay, I really hope like this works. And I hope that they take all my college credits and everything. But, um, so far so I went to school in Michigan. I got licensed there and Michigan's a pretty hard, um, state that as soon as you're licensed there, it's reciprocal with a lot of other States. Um, so Colorado actually pulled my Michigan license, not even my Illinois license. Um, which is funny. I never really even used it because after I left school, I went straight to teaching in Illinois. Okay. Um, -hmm. what have you learned about yourself since becoming a teacher? that it's uh if if it weren't for the other adults sometimes you're kind of like this job would be easier <laughs> learn that like oh you think like everyone's like oh a special ed teacher like you know like you even said it you as a special type of person you need a lot of patience and it's like you don't need them for the kids the kids are easy to me it's the other adults and like explaining to other people like if the child could they would they're you know, especially when it happens to be behaviors or everyone's like oh well, they're choosing not to and I'm like no they're not choosing they don't have the skills to do this so it's it was I've learned a lot about like practicing patience and how I can educate other people on you know making sure that they're aware of what the kiddo can and can't do yet and making sure that we have a goal to get them places um I also think St. Thomas taught me a lot because I was at a private school down there and I didn't realize how much I personally like believe in public education. Mm. Um, And that was a crazy like experience to kind of see the different worlds of public ed, private, and uh, really where like my population of kids really fit in. If you don't mind me asking, uh, how much is your salary year to year? I am in year seven and I just have a, a bachelor's degree. So my salary right now is 63 and I'm on a scale. Um, so this is the most I've ever made. So I should keep going. But um, if you move over in by having your master's or your master's plus 30, you keep going um, vertically and then horizontally to get different pay raises. Okay. Um, but I'm in a pretty good school district here. I, I 
jumped about $10,000 from last year to this year, just leaving the Virgin Islands to come to Denver. Okay. Um, Is tenure still a thing or where you are? Yeah. Yeah. When I got tenure in uh, my first district in uh, Chicago, I... They gave me my letter of tenure and I gave them my letter of resignation on the same day. Oh wow. For <laughs> St. Thomas. Um, I think it's I think it's important. Um, and I actually don't know too much about it here in Denver um and what the state of Colorado does, but it's still it's still a thing, still something people, you know, I'm working towards. Um, I could still remember my favorite teachers, like it was yesterday. Uh, who were right? some of your favorite teachers? uh i've this is a story i've always told but miss bowl was my second grade teacher and i can like it visualize her like from second grade i still knew how she i still remember how she walked in the hall and her hair kind of like flowed and she just made everyone feel you got around her and she made you feel so important and she's a teacher that actually to this day i'll still send christmas cards to i'll still write to um, and she just made you feel really important. I was a kid with major ADD. I was bouncing off the walls. I was talking. She's like, does anyone have a question? I'd raise my hand, even if I didn't have a question. I just really wanted her, you know, I really wanted someone to talk to me. <laughs> and she was so awesome and just like made you feel important, made you feel special. And I think, you know, she's been a huge impact of what I why I want to be a teacher because I want some kids like us to then be in their late 20s being like oh yeah I remember like this super cool teacher that made me feel a part of the team when I didn't look a part of the team well uh my first and second grade teacher Miss Parent uh she started her first year in teaching was teaching me in first grade (laughs) um and what you learn in first grade is learning how to read so the idea that miss (laughs) parents taught me how to read uh you know shout out to her thank you for teaching me how to read and you know I I um I don't know it it gets me emotional like it's a privilege to be educated and to be able to read something like when you think about it it's really profound what you learn as an elementary school kid (laughs) you know and it's like you're learning how to read, you're learning how to be a human, you're learning how to take turns and be kind to other people. And there's like so many more things and just like, you know, they give us our curriculum and they're like, okay, you need to teach this. And by the end of the year, your kids that are here need to go up to here and your kids that can't do this need to go here. And it's crazy because it's like, they're, you're actually really teaching them how to be like a cool member of society and how to make friends and how to be involved. And, you know, it, if you think of it that way, like we do, it's, you can be really impactful. Um, so I hope others, you know, think about that too, with education. Um, I also come from some teachers. My grandmother was a teacher. My aunt's a professor. Um, I've thought about the career, but one thing that's a drawback, uh, and it happens too often is like school shootings. I mean, does that, does safety become a concern of yours now? Oh yeah. It's a daily thing. I mean, even right before, uh, like our winter break, we had our practice and it's just like our normal, you have a fire drill. We don't live in the Midwest anymore, so I don't have to make tornado <laughs> drills, which is so weird. Yeah. And then we have active 
shooter drills. And I mean, you just heard about that principal that just passed away recently because he put his self as a shield for his kids. And it's like, oh my gosh, how heroic and wonderful of him. But then to think of like, it's such a hard spot to be in, to be like, I can't believe that I have to go into my job every day and think like I might be a shield today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's definitely something that I think is impacting a lot of teachers. I know the burnout rate is really high. I know people are scared to, you know, be in the profession. Right. Um, and it's hard because you need really good teachers and people to educate them so they don't become right. tutors. Well, and, <laughs> you know, I, I'm just thinking with me, uh, having a walker, being a an easy, slow target for someone, you being a special ed teacher, you're going to have to step in front of someone that doesn't even have the capacity to know what this is, what's going on necessarily. <laughs> like that's a whole different level of responsibility, I think. It is. They were actually, um, so one of the cool things in the school district I work at, which I've been in, like I said, three different districts. So I've kind of seen, and then my practicum and my internship, they've right since I was in college, they've prepped us for this. School students have been around since I've you know, started their Mm. career. And um, one of the things that my district does is we have this like QR code and a red bag in every room. And so we scan. So as soon as we go on a lockdown, we scan that. And there is someone actively monitoring this chat on the other hand. And we say, how many kids were locked? Where are we? How many kids are in the room? Do I have any kids with special ed or any type of um, need to be, you know, escorted other than walking out of the classroom? Are they escalated? Do they have, you know, severe behaviors? What's happening? And then someone's on the other end responding to me like, okay, we, you know, we're aware. And I don't really know if it's going to be as helpful as you think it is, but it's nice to know that someone's on the other end. Someone's listening to me. Even if I am a sitting duck, someone's listening to me that I have this group of kids that can't walk is escalated and the other, you know, screaming and we are sitting here. Um, so it's just kind of nice to, to just be heard as a teacher sometimes, whether we can fix it or not. Right. Another reality that slapped people in the face was, uh, COVID. And I'm just thinking of like underlying conditions and I mean, COVID's still a problem. It's a, it's a airborne disease. Like, how much of a concern is that for you as a teacher? <laughs> oh my God, I'm sick all the time. My kids are always sick. They're always snotting and sneezing, and then you know, and I'm like, oh, but even right now, and I don't know if I did this pre-COVID, but my kids still, they walk in the room, grab grab some hand sanitizer, and find a spot to sit. Like that is like every you're still sanitizing everything. Um, we had a couple of cases, but thankfully it's not like as bad. But when I was teaching, we were just talking about this recently, we were teaching remote. And I was like, I can't believe I taught like yeah. a group of special education students on a computer. I don't know if I taught them anything, but <laughs> I was yeah. like, this, it was a crazy, crazy time. But yeah, everyone's always sick. And you know what people don't talk about that happens as much as COVID is lice. And lice are disgusting. We get lice all the time in elementary school. (laughs) So between lice and COVID, there's always classrooms that are getting emails sent home saying someone's sick, someone's got lice, something like that. Well, I also think of like nonverbal students who maybe can't say, I have a fever, I'm not feeling great, like that whole element of what you have to do. 
Yeah. And before we were like scanning their temperatures, you know, all the kids, but now it's kind of like, we just got to trust that, you know, their parents aren't sending them to school super sick. And I think that's sometimes kind of hard too. I'm like, please don't send your kid to school sick because it's going to get me sick. It's going to get my kids sick. And a lot of those kiddos don't know how to, you know, we're still working on life skills and washing our hands properly and, you know, covering our mouth and all those things. So it is, just been a crazy whirlwind of new skills that the teachers have to teach. (laughs) Uh, We both come from protective mothers. Uh, What's been the most difficult part of dealing with parents? That's part of the job. (laughs) Um, You know, I really try my best to explain, especially if a kid's new to an IEP and like, you know, their parents are like, what are you doing? Like, what do you mean you want my kid tested in all these areas? Like I try my best to explain the hardest part for me, and I'm not a parent, so I'm like, you know, it's their choice. It's just when they say no, and they give us a firm no saying, no, I don't want any help for my kid. I don't want, and and then you watch this kiddo that's so low in academics or escalating so much and having these behaviors and then it's impacting their peer relationships. And it's really hard. And I just trying to help like the parents explain, like, this is what your kiddo is going through day to day. Um, so like get them to see how it's impacting them in the education setting, because it might not be impacting them at home as much, you know, if they're not being tested in those same ways, but it's really hard when parents are just like, nope, I don't want any help. I don't want them labeled. And, you know, I try and do a really good job of not labeling my kids and doing what they need and treating them just how they need, you know, to be treated at school. Mm -hmm. But when I get hard, no, I'm like, come on, what can I do to, help your kid because that's when the law gets involved and then if a parent rejects you know and doesn't sign their signature I can't I can't work with them um so that's kind of been a bummer but we both have some pretty great great moms huh we we do um remind me again what what was your mom's job growing up Jane is a social worker she works um in pancreas and kidney transplant Okay. So she's cool. still doing it and she's killing it. She actually uh donated her own kidney. Yeah, um, really. Couple, let's see. I mean, maybe eight. It must have been maybe 7 years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how about Marie? She's doing well. Um yeah. she's sort of retired now. You know, we we've taken uh, we've taken a break and um you know, we needed to mourn some things like the old world, yeah. <laughs> you know, being one right? thing. Um and I wanted to document this. Uh, your mom is one of the sweetest people walking the face of the planet. Um, she was there when uh, we found out that uh, Chooch was terminal from cancer. And she was someone that came down and hugged mom and said that that was a great guy. And I mean, it's yeah, exactly who we needed to see at a at a sad time. So I'm glad that she was there. <laughs> oh my God, are you kidding me? You think she could know you guys were there and that something was going on with Chooch and not not be right by your side? I mean, that's just the type of person she is. And I think, you know, when we have awesome moms like that and everything that your mom's done for you and mm-hmm. your family and then for your extended family and your friends and like all the things that she's done for our family, it's like, God, I just hope I can like, have some of those qualities, you know, when you become a parent or whatever. Yeah. Uh, your mom is always your first teacher. What have you learned from her? I have learned how to 
be independent, but also have a lot of forgiveness. And she has been so independent. She's always taught me that is what you need to do. And then she's also been, you know, she, she gives me a lot of forgiveness for myself and allows me to have that for myself. And she's like, you know, don't beat yourself up so hard and and learn from your mistakes. And I think that's something that you always are like, well, I could have done this or I could have done better. And it's something I would always say to myself. She's like, but you know, give you, allow yourself that forgiveness. And I think, you know, by doing that, she's allowed me to become a really great educator, learn from my mistakes and then keep growing because I'm not the same teacher I was when I started seven years ago. And, um, and I'm, I'm also really independent and you can ask my husband, my mom is, taught me really well how to just get stuff done, whether I should be drilling a hole into the wall or not, I'm going to just try it and I'm going to do it. And uh, we'll fix, we'll fix the problems later. But she's always taught me, you know, just love with your heart, go forward, make mistakes, but keep moving. Do you want to have your own children? I do. Yeah. My husband and I are actually expecting Hey, I am currently 15 weeks pregnant. So we are very excited to add a new little posing Forbes pose into the mix. Congratulations. It's going to be a grandma. That's awesome. Um, Has she already talked to you about like things she's going to do as a grandma? What's she looking forward to? I think just being, you know, she's still there. She's already like, oh, well, I could come anytime you want. (laughs) I could come and stay with you. And I think she's just looking forward to, she has so much love to give and to like give that into the next little uh, bundle of joy. I mean, she's just going to like thrive with that. She is just waiting to give more love out to the world. And I think there's something different too on her baby is having a baby. So like watching me change and becoming into that next step and watching how I take care of the baby. I think she's just really excited to be part of all of that. I got to be honest. I I don't have the strength to be a parent right now. I'd be worried too much. Uh, Are there some I'm not saying I'm not. (laughs) Oh, a a good parent is worried to some degree. But um, do you have any worries uh, at this early stage? (laughs) Right now, I'm like, just stay in my belly. I can protect you. Like the world is big worry. Like I'm scared of when my kid is out in the world and I can't protect them. Or, you know, my best friend and I were just talking, she just had her little baby and we were laughing. We're like, oh my God, we were so mean to our moms in middle school. Like, I don't ever want someone to be that mean to me. And like, and then how, God, my mom just still loved me so much and I would be so mean to her. And so all those little things rush through your head and then knowing that there's going to be a time that I can't protect them and they're out in the world and, you know, so many of those worries just start kind of rushing through, but they're still so little and the size of a donut today. So I'm like, you just <laughs> throw it in there and hopefully by the time they're ready to come into the world, you know, I'll, I'll have a support team that can help me process all the, all the worries. <laughs> uh, we, we probably don't know the sex of the baby yet, um, but picking they, out names or, or anything like that. <laughs> they told, they have this, we have the gender. Okay. We're just not looking at it. 
we're gonna go old school as long as I can I keep saying that but I'm like oh my god one day I'm just gonna open the results they're just on my email I'm just gonna (laughs) (laughs) and my husband's like no don't do it but um we do we have a couple names we have a few that we're just starting to toy around with and this is it's the first grandchild on both sides so we're Mm. kind of just excited we're liking to hear what other people's suggestions are you got any suggestions for us Jimmy, that'd be a good one Jimmy. for a boy. Yeah. Ten out of ten. Good boy name. <laughs> yeah. Uh you doing a gender reveal party? That seems to be the trend now. <laughs> Probably not. I think we're gonna wait till the baby comes out to see what gender it is. So we're like, let's just not find out. And yeah. uh we'll have a baby shower so all of our friends and family can we can all celebrate. But yeah. I don't I don't know if we're going with the trends on this one. <laughs> There's too many wildfires in in uh, Colorado already, so don't. Right, yeah. I don't need to be blowing something out and starting <laughs> fires or something. <laughs> um, summer's off. That's another perk of being a teacher, right? And that my husband and I are both teachers. Having the summer off is huge. We've always loved it. Ever since we started dating, we started traveling. That's we did a three month trip out west over the summer. We did um, five weeks in Europe. We've stayed all over in St. Thomas for different summers. We've come back to Chicago for summers, you know? So that is huge. Like having those, that time off is a huge perk. Um, Charlie's brother is an architect and he was saying he literally has five days off all year. And he had to use one of them for like the day after Christmas. And Charlie and I just had Martin Luther King day. We get snow days all the time. We're like, okay, we we're it's something that is a perk to, to the position for sure. Um, is there a destination that didn't meet the hype? Um, no, we loved everywhere that we've been. <laughs> Okay, good. That's a good thing. Yeah, I don't know. I would say, um, I know this is going to be like really controversial, but we loved Italy, but we we did five five weeks all around Europe. And at the end, we um, spent like four days in Florence. I felt like it could have been like two days. We loved Cinque Terre. So we, I think, would have rather have a little bit more time over there. But anytime I tell that to people, they're like, oh my God, you didn't love Florence. I'm like, no, I did. We just love a couple other places, I think, a little bit better. <laughs> okay. Well, um, we have a lot of places on the list to go to. <laughs> yeah. What are the next places you want to go? I would love to go to Asia and travel around Asia. I think South America, there's so many different places. A lot of the teachers that we met um, when we were teaching at the international school in St. Thomas, they got to, you know, live or teach in a lot of places in South America. So we're like, oh my gosh, that would be super cool. Um, I also really want to go to Iceland. I don't know why. I just keep feeling like I see, see a lot of cool stuff about Iceland, but I'm waiting to get a little bit closer to more more adapted with the cold until we go there <laughs> yeah uh anthony bourdain no reservations his pilot episode was in iceland uh, oh really so, oh i love yeah. him yeah you might want to check that one out for a for a preview um yeah. thankfully i have my passport uh in case i need to go to a different country would you live in a different in a uh outside place from the u.s <laughs> Yeah, I think that's how the whole thing with St. Thomas started is I got to do an internship for five months um, in Kaiserslautern, Germany, right out of college. It was part of um, my special education 
internship. Um, me and like three friends got to live there. We taught there. And I was like, so stoked. I'm like, I want to live in Germany. I want to live in Germany. And then it never, the opportunity never came around. So I was like, well, how about St. Thomas? Mm. Um, and I definitely think I'd be interested in it. I think right now too, with like future plans and babies coming up, we're going to stay put for a little bit, but there's definitely like, if the opportunity presented itself, mm-hmm. I don't, I just don't know how I could ever turn it down. You know, <laughs> stuff like that is I, I'm, I'm that person that's going to always say like, absolutely. What about well, you? Would you? Uh, well, if depending on how the election turns out this coming year, I'm, I'm going to think about it. Um, honest right? to God. So we'll, we'll see where we are. Uh, yeah. Call me a year from now and, and we'll, uh, we'll do an update. Might be moving. <laughs> yeah. Might be, might be doing the remote from a, from a different place. Um, yeah. You know, St. Thomas, uh, again, this place looks like paradise, looks like a screensaver. Um, I feel like it would be good for a vacation. Does it ever get old after a while or it's just like yeah this is awesome (laughs) it got exhausting the day-to-day was exhausting nothing is easy I loved it so much don't get me wrong but it's so hard you are freaking hot our car doesn't have AC you drive 35 minutes on the left side of the road to get to work nine people almost hit you you are just constantly swerving there's goats in the road there's tractors there's people (laughs) walking around the street just yelling and you get to work do the whole work thing and then you're like god I have to go to the grocery and when all you want to do is go to the beach you know and the grocery is harder everything they don't have things in stock oh you wanted to make this for dinner that got, hasn't gotten a shipment in yet. So it was, life was just a lot harder. Um, but then it was like low lows of harder. And then these like epic highs where you would just spend all day on the beach. And then your friends would come over and you're like on a boat and you're, they're like, oh, hop on. And we'd get on a boat and we'd circle the islands. And then we'd get dropped off on another island and go to St. John and get dinner and drink painkillers and take the ferry back home. And, you know, so it's like these extreme highs. You're either like loving life and swimming with turtles and watching these octopus go in and out of these little caves, or you're kind of like the power's out and you're stinking hot and you have bugs in your bed and you're just kind of sitting there like, well, now what do we do? (laughs) Um, Who cooks more, you or your husband? I do. Okay. What's your specialty if you had to make something? Um, New, but I'm making lasagna tonight. That's on the the list. I've made a lot of, you know, warmer food with chilies. Um, My mom taught me creative meals, anything in a bowl. You can just put almost anything in there and it becomes dinner. And thankfully, my husband's not too picky. Uh, But during my first trimester of pregnancy... I was super sick and Charlie cooked almost everything. And he said, I was almost easier being pregnant because he goes, you don't even care. I just could put anything in front of a bowl and you'll eat it. <laughs> I was like, yep, I'm pretty easy now, but uh, I'm getting back into cooking and yeah, enjoying it. Um, what are your favorite TV shows when you have time to watch something? Ooh, I, I know I'm late to the game on this one, but we just had Martin Luther King Day, so we were like off on a break. And I've been binge watching Prison Break. 
Ah, yeah. I know. I was like throwing it back, but I always then love and you know, easy for new girl, something silly like that. I love keeping up with Survivor. I don't know if people are still watching that, but it's <laughs> great. We, we we watch that on the weekdays and um I'll pretty much watch anything. And yeah. yeah. Respect. Yeah, respect. I yeah. uh I'm an OG watcher of Big Brother, so I, I can appreciate the uh, Survivor yeah. fandom. It's good. Yeah. Um, I've been wa- I watched that like when Julie Chen started, like that. You know, that was her first show, and right? Like, and how long? I mean, I feel like they've been on forever. <laughs> yeah. Twenty yeah. years from the time yeah. I was nine. So, <laughs> oh, by the way, thanks for reminding me. I'm going to be thirty this year. I don't. I didn't Coming need up. that reminder again. Wait, so. you're July, right? September. 30. September. Oh, okay. I got some okay. time, but still. September. Same. So I'm July. So baby is due July 9th and I'm, my birthday is July 10th. Wow. So I am just wanting this baby to come before July 10th because I cannot be 30 and have a baby, but I can be 29 and have a baby. You know, that's so, yeah. I'm so much younger at 29. <laughs> You're going to feel so much older 24 hours later. Yeah. Yeah. 24 hours later. Yeah. Any big <laughs> plans for the big 3-0? I don't know. Beginning of a new era. Hopefully, I'm. I have better habits by the time September Habit. rolls around. Uh, have you broken any resolutions uh, to this point? Two weeks in. No, I I didn't set a lot. I set my expectations really low. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I didn't set very many expectations this year, and usually I do. I, I yeah, I just not cool. too much. <laughs> I was was don't have a lot of goals. Um, our one pre-interview question uh, was, what favorite band or artist do you have? You revealed to me that The Strokes is one of your favorite bands. I like them. I listen to a few of their songs. Uh, yeah. To me, like Green Day, Fall Out Boy, Maroon 5 would be kind of in that realm, I guess. Kind of. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so uh, what what caused the Strokes fandom for you? <laughs> I don't even know. I feel like they're, again, they're old. Like what I'm kind of one of those people that once I find something I like, I don't stray too far from it. Um, but there's just some, a couple of songs that like always get me hyped. And when I start listening to them, I'm like, Oh, you know, like, here we go. Or like, you know, people mm-hmm. there, there's, I have a lot of fads that come like that come and go, but, but the ones strokes have always kind of like stayed consistent for me. Okay. <laughs> The one band that I can recall that kind of intersected with my life that's similar to them, the Plain White Tees played at the University of Indianapolis, a, a concert. Uh, and I think they did the theme for iCarly, which is weird, yeah. you know? Oh, did they? Yeah. I totally forgot about them, but they were solid. Yeah, similar similar uh, sound, I guess. Um, do you have a guilty pleasure? I've been eating a lot of ice cream lately. I'm blaming it on the baby again, but like okay, yeah. I've been eating like ice root beer floats, ice cream sandwiches, ice cream with hard shell. I was like, I've never been this big into sweets, but yeah. right now it's kind of my guilty pleasure. And sometimes I don't even wait till dessert. I'm like, oh, it's four o'clock. Perfect time for ice cream. <laughs> okay. If you want a snack on this episode, I don't, I don't mind. You know, it's yeah, right. I might just grab, grab some ice cream. <laughs> um. What's the best advice you've received in your career? In my career? Yeah. Observe, do not absorb. Mm. Heather McCabe said that. And she kept telling me that 
And I'm like, yeah, Heather, I don't really know what that means. Like, I don't know how to observe and not absorb what I'm looking at and doing and feeling. And slowly, I just kept repeating it to myself. I kept saying like, observe, not absorb, observe, not absorb. And it's kind of become part of my daily practice. Yeah. It's hard being an empath in this world <laughs> with all the noise, all mm -hmm. of the crap. It's really hard. God it's bless so anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so you just do the best you can to kind of yeah. keep what you need for yourself and give what you have, but not to over give. Um, what things bring you peace? Uh, DDP yoga is what brings me peace when I decide to exercise. I'm trying to do that the first two weeks of January. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm back into orange theory. I really like that. It's like an hour to myself that I get. And then I love my dog. I have a big old Bernadoodle and okay. he is so happy to see me all the time. Even if I come home and I'm pissed, he's like so stoked to see me. And I'm like, okay, if I just spend like two minutes, just petting you, like he brings me a lot of joy in my life. Awesome. Uh, are we bringing in more dogs? No. Okay. We are one dog household. I we're growing up. Didn't you have a couple? Did you have a few dogs? I didn't. <laughs> no, I, I had okay. nothing. I no no pets. Okay, I think I remember going somewhere and I was like, oh my god! And I went into a house and they had so many dogs and I was like, they all wanted my love. I don't know how to. I don't know how to love you all at the same time. And uh, my mom's had had two dogs, but we're she's down to one dog and one dogs are just a little bit easier for me. <laughs> Well, they're the practice kid. I mean, you can't leave them alone for an extended time. So you, know. you can leave a dog more than you can leave a baby. I've heard. Yeah. Good to learn now. Um, We're practicing. <laughs> uh, best live concert that you remember. Oh, the, you know what? It wasn't even, it, it wasn't even the band so much, but my husband and I saw the Strumbellas at Thalia Hall, downtown Chicago, this tiny little theater. And they played, they unplugged. Everyone like jammed to the front of the small little theater and they did an acoustic um, version, no amps, nothing. And it was just, and we were all singing along and it was a, a, like one of those moments that I was like, I'll never forget, but yeah. we're big concert goers. So to be close to Red Rocks here too, we're gonna, we're gonna really start enjoying that as the weather gets a little warmer. MTV needs to bring back MTV Unplugged. That was a great Yes, show. it was so good. Stevie Ray Vaughan, shortly before he passed, was on there and played uh, Pride and Joy on a 12 string. And it's the most beautiful thing you'll hear. It's awesome. Oh my gosh, I'll have to look that up. I haven't seen that. <laughs> it's, it's about the coolest thing you'll ever see. Um, Caroline, you seem to be getting things put together. All the pieces are falling into place. Um, knock on wood, but looking forward, uh, what, what, uh, what goals do you have? I know you said you didn't have anything specific, but yeah. if anything. I think I just want to like be, I learned, I learned a lot about myself in St. Thomas and the stuff that I need and the stuff that I don't need. And I don't want to overcrowd my life. Um, I think I've been really selective of the friends that I have because, you know, they bring me joy and the people in my life that, you know, are, I'm benefiting from them and they're benefiting from me. And I think I want to go forward with just being really intentional right. um, with what I do, what I buy, what how I present myself in the world because I don't really think I have much of an impact you know just as a 
normal person. And I'm like, and yeah. then you kind of hear something and, and you're like, wait, you heard, like, even my kids, I'm like, you heard me say that? Like, I just want to be a person that others can be like, you, I trust you. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and someone that just is able to have a good head on their shoulders as others need me. And as I'm needing others, you know, it's just, you can't do this life alone. And I think Mm. the people in the support, I mean, you and I have literally known each other since like fifth grade, like so long. Basically day once, basically. Yes. (laughs) And how we got to be friends too, was like through the Timmy foundation and through this really cool organization that we both like felt so passionately about. And then like to now be 30 years old, almost, almost. And, uh, you know, to kind of see like how that's changed us. I'm like, it's just a cool, it's a cool life when you're able to like look back on certain things and then you hope that you can look forward and keep going in like that same direction, just making really good choices and, um, you know, impacting the world for the better. Cause I'd hate to leave the world, not a better place. Uh, in the couple of minutes we have left here, um, I know that teachers, get thrown a lot of statements their way. Uh, is there a compliment that sticks with you that a student told you? Um, one student asked me once if they, if I'd pick their booger for them. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> you must really trust me. Yeah. You must really, really trust me that you want me to go up there and pick your booger. Um, but no, I think it's, you know, I, I all jokes aside, I think it's when um, maybe not as verbally as what the kids have said to me, but it's that when I become their trusted person or when they are yeah. isolated or frustrated and they, and they seek guidance in me, that's kind of when I know I'm like, okay, I'm doing, I've connected, I've done something right. Um, and that feeling to me is, is brings me a lot of joy and is more than words. Cause sometimes my kids are not the most verbal. Right. Well, I, I didn't know if anything specific stood out. Um, Caroline, let me say to you, uh, you're someone that the light always shines through and, uh, you know, I'm so thrilled that you're a teacher and that you're going to be a mom soon. Like that's, that's just awesome. So I look forward to what's next in your story. And, uh, thanks for documenting part of it today. That's awesome. Absolutely. Anytime. I always have time for you, Jimmy. Okay. Uh, folks to check out this episode and all others with the program, make your way over to at JBK on air on all social media platforms. You can also donate to the program with the link in the description until next time, have a great day and a better tomorrow.